Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's once again my pleasure to talk with you about practical issues related to ministry leadership. As we begin 2022, let me make just a couple of preliminary comments and reminders about the nature of this podcast. Uh, First of all, this podcast is for Christian leaders, and it's focused on the practical side of ministry leadership. I don't do much preaching on the podcast, although occasionally I can't help myself. And we don't spend a lot of time on detailed Bible exposition, although I love to do that in other contexts. This podcast is about focusing on uh, the day-to-day work life of ministry leaders, pastors, organizational leaders, uh, worship leaders, youth leaders, and also church leaders like elders and deacons and others who provide the assistance needed to get the work done. So thank you for joining me on the podcast. And as we start this new year together, I hope the topics I've chosen for this year will be insightful and helpful as you do the work of ministry leadership. And then finally, in terms of these introductory comments, if you have a particular issue that you'd like for me to address and uh, you'd like to communicate with me, you can do that at jefforge at gs.edu. Send that email through and we'll take a look at it and see if we can factor in uh, those ideas to the podcast presentations over time. As we begin 2022, uh, I reflect over last year and particularly the last few months of last year and many of the conversations I had with pastors and other ministry leaders as I spoke at uh, Baptist state conventions and conferences and churches. And one of the common themes that I heard repeatedly was, I am tired. (laughs) Weary and worn down is the phrase I would use to describe so many leaders who talked with me this past year. Weary and worn down. Now notice I did not say weary and worn out. These leaders were not planning to quit. Uh, They were not discouraged to the point of giving up. They were just weary, particularly from dealing with church conflicts and leadership questions that had emerged out of the pandemic and all that has gone along with that over the past year and a half. So while leaders weren't worn out, they definitely felt worn down. And one of the common questions that emerges out of this is, What do you do as a ministry leader to sustain your work over the long haul? What are some things that you can do to take care of yourself and to make sure that you maintain the spiritual and the emotional and even the physical health and stamina needed to carry on your ministry uh, over the long haul? Well, there's no quick fix for this, but if you're weary and worn down, I hope that you'll start putting into practice some of the things I'm going to talk about on the podcast today so that you can build around you the support base, network, support system that you need to carry you forward. Now, let's start by differentiating between two concepts that are very different but may sound similar. I want to talk about the difference between self-care and self-indulgence. I believe ministry leaders should practice self-care. Now, you might say, well, that sounds contradictory to the life of ministry that I've chosen. As a minister, I feel like I should sacrifice myself for the good of others. As a ministry leader, I've signed up to devote myself to the well-being of others and to the well-being of my organization. I'm sacrificing myself daily on the altar of that kind of service. Well, I respect that. In fact, I share those feelings in some ways. I believe that I want to sacrifice myself for the mission of Gateway Seminary and for what God has called us to do here uh, as a group working together to shape leaders who expand God's kingdom around the world. So like you, as a ministry leader, I 
want to sacrifice myself. And so that may seem to strike an opposite tone from this phrase of practicing self-care. Well, let's first understand what I mean by self-care. Self-care is taking care of yourself for the purpose of being able to serve others. Taking care of yourself for the purpose of being able to serve others. And this is why it's different than self-indulgence. Self-indulgence is taking care of yourself for your own pleasure, uh, for your own uh, uh, success, just for your own prosperity. Self-indulgence is really focused on being all about you. Self-care, on the other hand, is really focused on being all about others. So when I challenge you on this podcast to practice self-care as a ministry leader, I'm not saying that you should practice self-indulgence. In fact, I'm actually saying just the opposite. Self-care is taking care of yourself so that you'll be able to minister to others more effectively. It's making sure that you take care of yourself spiritually, emotionally, and physically so that you can be sustained over the long haul of meeting the leadership needs that have been placed upon you and of caring for and ministering to the people who are under your direction and responsibility. Now, what are some of the categories of practicing self-care that are important? Well, the first category is the category of rest. And then along with that is exercise and diet. Now, this is practicing physical self-care. Now, on past podcasts, I've talked about the importance of rest, and I want to emphasize that again today. The Bible has a pattern of rest built into it for all of us, and that is work six days, rest one. And so every seventh day, there needs to be a routine of rest built into your schedule. I know how difficult this can be for ministry leaders. I know how difficult this can be because of the demands of our jobs, because of the unpredictability of our schedules, uh, and because of all of the different uh, uh, different. Uh, things that come at us on a weekly basis in a ministry leadership context. However, having said that, I can also tell you that having been a ministry leader for 40 years, I've been able to practice resting one day a week, most weeks since the mid-1980s. Now, as you've maybe heard my testimony on this, around 1985, I had a, a real uh, crisis kind of confrontation about this issue, and my wife was pressing me really hard on the issue of establishing rest as a pattern of my life. And I reluctantly at the beginning, but then uh, finally fully embraced the thought of resting one day a week. I found that it really reinvigorated me for ministry leadership and became an essential part of my self-care. And I've been practicing that kind of Sabbath rest most weeks for almost 40 years. Now, that doesn't mean I practice it every week, doesn't mean that I'm perfectionistic or legalistic about it, but it does mean I'm able to do it most weeks. So in practicing self-care, I want to talk first of all about the physical aspects, and one of those is rest, and a second is exercise. Now, I'm not here on the podcast today to tell you what to do or how to do it in terms of exercise. That is way beyond my expertise and far out of my lane. But I will tell you this, ministry leaders need the discipline of some exercise to stay healthy. Whether you're walking or swimming or something else that you are doing that keeps you more physically fit, more physically able, it's an essential part of, of self-care. 
Uh, I'm a walker. I frequently walk the trail around my house, which is almost uh, two miles, and sometimes I change the route a little bit so I can add that third mile. Uh, I, I have to find something physical like this to keep me moving, keep me going. Now, as I've started 2022, I'm uh, working on some other exercise issues that will increase my flexibility, especially as I'm getting older, and will help me with uh, some of the just ailments, you might say, of aging as I'm getting uh, to the to a little uh, older part of life. I won't go into the detail of that today, but just give you the idea that I'm always also working on this myself. And then the third area of this physical self-care is working on your diet. I'm not talking about going on a diet. I'm talking about thinking about what you eat and making sure that you're eating to live, not living to eat, and that you really are more disciplined about what goes into your body. Now, as ministry leaders, we get invited to a lot of kinds of different meals and activities and parties and fellowships and all kinds of good things like like that. We've just come through the holiday season and man, I've enjoyed that myself and I know you have too. Nothing wrong with that kind of enjoyment for the season. But for the routine of life, we need to make sure that we're eating appropriately to take care of self. Now, the first area of self-care that I'm talking about today is taking care of yourself physically. And so without trying to be prescriptive today about what it exactly needs to look like, I want to challenge you to think through these three big areas as you start this new year. Am I resting appropriately? Am I setting aside one day every seven to pull away from my normal work patterns, to pull away from my normal job responsibilities and to pull away from my normal commitments? Am I setting aside one day out of seven to turn off email, disengage from some of my social media or maybe even all of my social media and really focus on rebuilding myself and getting ready to move forward again in ministry? And then exercise, am I active? Am I, am I physically uh, vigorous? Am I doing some things that will help me to stay more flexible? And then diet, am I eating? the right things uh, given my health, my weight, my, my station in life, my age, and my eating appropriately to take care of myself physically. So remember, self-care is not self-indulgence. It's not taking care of yourself to bring yourself comfort or satisfaction or pleasure. Self-care is, I'm going to take care of myself so that I'll be more fit to serve others. I'm going to rest appropriately. I'm going to exercise appropriately and I'm going to eat appropriately so that I can physically be at my best and be prepared and able to meet the needs of other people. Now, a second part of self-care for me is, of course, self-care spiritually. Now, there are so many things I could say about this, and uh, I could talk about the importance of regular church attendance, but most leaders already, of course, are doing that. Uh, I could talk about spiritual uh, growth and development, like in terms of scripture memory and discipleship and things like that. But quite frankly, most spiritual leaders and Christian leaders are already doing those things too. So let me talk to you about two things uh, that I find many Christian leaders neglect that really does suck them dry spiritually by the absence of these things in their lives. Two things that I find leaders neglecting that I want to challenge you to reinvigorate as a part of your self-care strategy for this year. The first one is what I call the dirty little secret of ministry leadership, and that is so few ministry leaders have a daily, regular, consistent time alone with God. Now, I'm not talking about studying to preach next Sunday's sermon or lead next week's Bible study or something like that. I'm talking about personal time that you have alone with God, where you sit down with God, 
you read his word, you pray, you think about your life and you reflect and meditate on what his word is teaching about what you're going through right now. And you ask God to work personally within you, to reinvigorate you spiritually, to motivate you to live uh, obediently. And you are able to confess sin and shortcoming and move away from destructive life choices. This is all the kind of personal work that gets done in the habit of daily, uh, regular time alone with God. Now, I have, like every ministry leader I know, struggled with this over my lifetime. There have been seasons when I've neglected this and other seasons when I've been really consistent with it. During the times of inconsistency, I find myself just slowly drying up spiritually. But during the times of consistency, I find that that time with God is renewing, it's invigorating, it's regenerating for me as I experience God through his word and through prayer. Now, I was asked recently uh, at a conference in a question and answer time, uh, what's the practical things you've learned over the years that have helped you to maintain your daily time alone with God? And I said, I like the way the person phrased the question. What's the practical things you've done that have really helped you? Uh, you know, the questioner and most people sitting in that room that day all assumed this was something we all ought to be doing. They were asking me how just practically or mechanically uh, have I done things that have sort of spurred me along the way? Well, let me give you two or three things that have helped me. First of all, one of the things that helps me is to have a daily Bible reading plan that's not on my phone. I have my Bible reading plan printed out on a piece of paper, not on my phone, not on my computer, not on my iPad, on a piece of paper. And I have that piece of paper in a, uh, a little notebook in my, in my work uh, briefcase. And every morning I pull out that notebook and I look on the back of that folder and I see that on that particular day, I'm supposed to read this particular passages of scripture. Now the Bible reading plan that I use uh, has two chapters assigned per day for Bible reading. And that may be more than enough for you, may not be enough for you. You need to find your own Bible reading plan. But why has it been helpful to me to print out my Bible reading plan on a piece of paper as opposed to keeping it on my phone and on my computer or something like that? And especially why is this important to me? Because I am, as you know, a technology adopter. I, I like technology. I think it's our friend. I want to make the most use of it possible. So why do I want to avoid it in relationship to my time alone with God. Very simple. I sometimes have the attention span of a gnat. And when I open up my phone and I see there's already text messages that have come in early that morning, or there's already emails that have come in early that morning, uh, there's already uh, uh, information on there that I need to respond to. And especially since I live on the West Coast and a lot of Southern Baptist people live on the East or in the central time zones, uh, they often send me messages when they get to work and start their day that are on my phone at five or six o'clock in the morning so that by the time I start my day, they're already there. So the last thing I need to see the first thing in the morning is my phone, because once I see it, I'm fully engaged in the work of the day. So I don't even want to look at that. I want to take a Bible. I want to pull out my notebook. I want to see, okay, on this certain day, I'm supposed to read these certain passages. And then I can sit 
I can move into my Bible reading without any electronic distraction. Now, I underscore this. I, I preach typically from an electronic version of the Bible. I do my Bible studies from an electronic version of the Bible. I am a technology embracer. But I know that technology can be a distraction for me if I let it be the first thing I see early in the morning. So uh, I have my Bible reading plan printed out on a piece of paper. And when I get up in the morning, I pull that notebook out, find where I'm supposed to read, take out a Bible. And then the second thing I do is I have a place where I read the Bible and pray in the mornings that I don't do anything else. I don't do this in my office. I don't do this in my bedroom. In our home, we have a kind of a living room area. And I go in that room, sit down, read my Bible, and pray in that context. Now, the reason I do that is because that's kind of the only thing I do in that room. Uh, I don't watch TV in that room. I, I don't uh, study in that room. I don't have an office in that room. And my wife is not in that room early in the mornings. And so it's a place where I can walk in, uh, sit down with my Bible, and have some time to read and to reflect and to pray about what the Bible's saying to me about my life, my personal needs, my ministry direction, uh, my heart, if you will will before God. So that kind of personal spiritual discipline of Bible reading and prayer with these practical suggestions to kind of help it along the way have gone, uh, have helped me go down the road in maintaining this discipline. You know, I was first challenged to read the Bible and pray on a daily basis when I was 17 years old. I'm now in my 60s and I've been doing it most days for most of my life. And yet these simple things I've just described kind of help keep me going these days in this context. Now, there's a second spiritual discipline that is very important to helping us to keep, uh, keep us from being weary and worn down, and that is the discipline of worship. Now, you may say, well, I got that one. I never miss a service. Well, I, I know you don't, but you're probably mostly working at those services. You're either the pastor or you're a church leader or you're someone else who's engaged in leading the worship service in some significant way. I want to challenge you to find some ways to be the worshiper, not the worship leader. Now, one of the ways I do this is when I'm preaching at an event and there's maybe another speaker and there's another session, I try to go to that session and hear that speaker. Now, because of the travels in and out, I'm not always able to do this, but when I can, I want to go and I want to discipline myself as I'm going that I'm going as a worshiper. I'm going to participate in the service and to listen to what God is saying to me through his word. I'm not going as an evaluator. I'm not going as a leader. I'm going as a worshiper. I just recently had an experience where I was at a men's conference. I was one of the speakers. But the second session I came back, not because I was one of the speakers, but because I wanted to be one of the guys. I wanted to sit out in the audience. I wanted to listen to the speaker. I wanted to bow my head and pray when he asked us to. I wanted to make a specific response to the message that he was declaring and, and see how God might be doing something in my life in that context. It's very important that you find ways to be a worshiper and that you not neglect that gathering together with people to experience corporate worship and then to experience response to God's word in a corporate or public context. 
And just because you're the worship leader and you're always at church and always leading the services and always engaged, don't think that that meets your need for worship as a reinvigorating part of the self-care that I'm describing on this podcast. No, you need from time to time to be the worshiper as well. So when I think about what it means to be weary and worn down and to avoid being weary and worn out and to find some sustaining spiritual practices that will keep us going during those times, the two that are most significant for me are daily Bible reading and prayer and regular experiences of worship where I'm not the leader, but I am the worshiper. Now we're practicing self-care. Remember, self-care is taking care of yourself so that you can meet the needs of others. It's meeting your emotional and spiritual and physical needs so that you're sustained and that you can carry on in this work that God has given you to do. It's not self-indulgence. Self-indulgence is I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to experience pleasure or comfort or whatever I want. There's no place for that in the life of a ministry leader. We're called to give ourselves away in sacrifice and service of others. And self-care is simply the work we must do to sustain us, that we might have a lifelong effort before us, that burnout won't be a part of who we are, but that this sustaining of our work will be evident. And I've said you can do that by practicing some spirit or some physical self-care through rest and exercise and diet. And I've talked about spiritual self-care. And while there's a whole panorama of things you can do, the two that I think ministry leaders most often neglect are personal time alone with God in prayer and Bible reading and corporate worship where they are the worshiper, not the worship leader. I'm challenging you to practice self-care in physical and spiritual ways. And then there's a third way. And that is I want to challenge you as a ministry leader to practice self-care relationally or socially. In my book, The Painful Side of Leadership, a number of years ago, I wrote about the importance of developing what I called a friendship team. And I said in the book, and I've continued to say over the years, that one of the sustaining strengths that ministry leaders need is a group of people around them, a friendship team, if you will, a group of people around them that will help sustain them over the long haul of ministry leadership. Now, you've maybe heard me say some of this before, but it's a part of my testimony as a young leader that I was too much of the Lone Ranger type leader. Back then, I was far too much of a solo leader. I, I really wanted to do things on my own. I didn't really want other people around me helping me. I didn't want to disclose to anyone that I had any weaknesses or problems or issues because I thought that would make me look bad as a leader. And so I spent far too much time as a Lone Ranger solo type leader. But several things came together to change my mind. First of all, I took a fresh look at the example of Jesus who worked, of course, with a group. And then I looked at the example of Paul in the New Testament. He almost always worked with a partner or a team. Uh, And then my own experience, I I started seeing that as I I started working with a, a team around me of people and sharing myself more openly as a leader, that my effectiveness improved. 
So uh, through those processes, I developed this concept of building a friendship team around you, yourself as a leader to really give you the kind of strength that you need. So who should be on that team? Well, four categories of people. First of all, uh, you need a mentor. This is someone you look up to, that you respect, that you can go to with difficulties or challenges or problems and just talk to them about life and about ministry. The second category is a colleague. Now, a colleague uh, is someone who works with you, who's your partner, uh, who's right alongside you and who gets the work done with you. And this can be another staff person that works with you. It can also be a, a, an elder or a deacon or someone like that in your church. But this is someone that's in the work with you, a colleague on your team, so to speak. Then a, a third category to draw from to build your friendship team is a ministry peer. Now, a peer is someone who does what you do, but maybe in a different organization or a different church. Now, that's why it's important to be a part of a group of pastors in a pastor's fellowship or a part of a group of youth pastors in a youth pastor's fellowship or uh, a part of professors in a seminary professor's fellowship so that you have somebody who does what you do, but in a different context. Now, why is this person important? Because this is the person you can go to who understands what you're going through and, and shares life with you, but isn't in the same organization of the same church and so ha doesn't have the emotional attachment to the situation that you have. And then finally, the fourth category is what I call an everyday friend. That's someone who uh, is your friend uh, and is able to just share life with you, but not life built always around work or ministry. Now, if you don't have a friendship team like this, uh, you can't instantaneously create one. You can't get on the phone this afternoon and call for people and say, will you be my mentor? Will you be my colleague? Will you be my peer? Will you be my friend? No, it doesn't work quite that way. No, these are people you have to be on the lookout for. And then once you get them in your life, you may keep them for decades. You build this team as you move through training in ministry in your early years of ministry, and you reach out and to cultivate these relationships so that you have a mentor or mentors you can call on, a colleague or colleagues you share the work with, a peer or peers who are understanding of what you do because they do the same thing in a different context or different organization. And then a, a friend, an everyday friend that is sharing life with you, but not life built around work or ministry. Now, I've been blessed since I made the transition a number of years ago to thinking more about working in a team environment. I've been consciously aware of these people and the need that I have for them to be in my life, and I've cultivated and developed these relationships. Now, unfortunately, as I've gotten older, my mentors have mostly all passed away. I find myself now being a mentor more than having mentors, but still, every now and then, it's good to have that person you can call on when you've got that question. But for me, my colleagues and peers and an everyday friend or two have meant so much to me. I have colleagues that I can turn to and talk openly about the work we do together and uh, without duplicity or fear, just share uh, the challenges, the struggles, the burdens, the ideas, the dreams, the hopes, all of it together. And then I have some ministry peers, uh, other presidents and senior leaders in other organizations that I can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I've got this issue, this challenge, this problem. How have you dealt with it? Are you facing anything like this? Is this common to your organization as it is to mine? And get some input on life and ministry from them. And then God has blessed me with a few everyday friends. I think about one particularly. Uh, he and I and our wives have vacationed together a number of times over the years and done other ministry projects together. And one of the cool things about this guy is when we get together, if we're together for seven days on a vacation for a week, he will never say the word seminary once <laughs> to me the whole time. 
You know, he loves our school. <clears throat> he also loves the work that we do. He's a very vigorously involved Christian in ministry in his own church, but he understands that when we're on vacation together or we're on a mission project some other place in the world together, that part of his friendship to me is to help me have that brain break I need from thinking about the seminary 24-7. He can go a whole week and the word seminary never come out of his mouth. That's an everyday friend. Well, what I've challenged you to do today is to practice appropriate self-care, not self-indulgence. Self-care is taking care of yourself so that you can continue the ministry of sacrificing yourself for the well-being of others. And I've outlined it in three different areas. It's okay to practice self-care in the physical area, the spiritual area, and the social area. And as you practice self-care in these areas, it's going to sustain you over time in the effective work that God wants you to do. We are ministry leaders. We've been called to give ourselves for others. We are not to practice self-indulgence, taking care of ourselves for our own pleasure or comfort. But I believe we have a responsibility to practice self-care that we might be able to sustain ourselves for the benefit of others. I challenge you to do it as you start this new year and as you lead on.